Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I am the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Today, I have another special guest, one who I've known for such a long time, and I love chatting all things organization and caseload management and just all things, just anything. Me McDaniel, welcome to the show. Hey, Ellie. So good to be here. We've met in person a few times. And um, yeah, you're just uh, just lovely to chat with and, uh, you know, dish on all the things. That all things SLP. Yes. So tell everyone a little bit about you and everything, a little bit about your journey and what you're doing today. So I was a school speech pathologist for 20 years. I was at a low SES school. And um, in my, after 20 years, I became a special education coordinator. And I thought that was going to be, you know, like piece of cake, sitting up in the ivory tower and just, you know, making sure everybody's happy. And it was not indeed a piece of cake. I really missed doing therapy. I loved supporting the therapist and I still try to do that now through my Facebook group. So I eventually, honestly, the schools just made me very sick in those last years. And I was very stressed. I, the last year I got two autoimmune disorders and shingles. So I was like, okay, it's time for me to exit. Um, so I actually, uh, started a private practice that I run through my home and it's been wonderful. I mean, a soap note compared to all the paperwork that I did in school therapists is just a dream come true. 
And uh, I never thought private practice was doable for me, but apparently it is because sadly, I think some people have distrust of people they weren't paying. It's just so bizarre to me. You know, school therapists do this, they serve and they get paid very poorly most of the time. And I think they're an amazing group of people. I also do professional development all over. And it's been fun. Of course, I run my Teachers by Teachers business as well. It's amazing. I'm assuming over the years, you've learned some tips and tricks that has served you and served the others that you were overseeing to keep their sanity and making sure that everything gets crossed off the to-do list. I hope so. And I've learned a lot through my Facebook group. I've learned that so many districts like don't have written policies and procedures or don't train their therapists, which is just bizarre to me because when someone comes in, they should never hit their therapy room before they hit a training. So I really love my written guidelines. So I hope that has helped them. But keeping your sanity in schools is very difficult. So I always say being a school SLP is like trying to grow children's minds and language without losing your own sanity. I mean, that's the gist of it, right? So true. So true. And we're we're recording this episode as we're nearing into the summertime and people are finishing out their school years wondering, like, I go to June 23rd. So can I make it to June 23rd is the big hot question right now. But I'm also trying to think about what can I do better next year so that next year I'm not looking for the finish line from the starting line? What are some things that SLPs in the schools can do that you've done and have recommended to start the year off strong and organized? So over the years, I supervised lots of grad students and lots of CFs. And I am, I guess, one of those meanie supervisors, not really. But you know, like I had high expectations and I really wanted to start them off by actually planning. So I didn't plan for my, probably my first 19 years. I was just winging it. And then I moved into a very small room and I had to be organized. And I had my my uh, students do this as well. So basically every Friday, I would not leave until I had planned for the next week. And I had one bookcase in my room that was only for the things that would happen next week. So the Friday me really tried to help the Monday me who does not function well to be ready for the week. So that bookcase was designated for the activities that we would do that week. And, uh, you know, nothing else to go on there. And so I could walk in on Monday morning and it was all laid out for me. I didn't have to run around like a crazy person grabbing materials because I was in a five by eight room my last year and uh, I have to go down the hall to a closet to get my materials. And most of the grad students I had, I would hire eventually and they would, you know, follow that. And I think that serves everyone well. I know as a pro, you know, you've been doing it for so long and at that point I'd been doing it 20 years. But still, it was like so much better. The therapy was so much better because I wasn't doing it on the fly. Mm-hmm. So I really recommend that. And you're the Monday you will love the Friday you if you do that. And it's so hard because on Friday, you're like, I'm fried. I just want to go home and put my feet oh. up. 
in our district, I have to admit, we had for Fridays were our least busy day. So we usually for meetings and those kinds of things. So and, and sometimes it didn't happen. I mean, that's real life. But um, I used a one page fillable lesson plan. It's like it was so easy. It was so brief. And it was, I would put it on my table. So when I walked in, I could see that too. And your listeners can get that lesson plan. I'll give you the link. So you put it in the show notes. Yes, definitely. I want to check that out as well. And what are some things for those just listening and trying to picture it in their head? What are some key items that you would recommend writing down? People always wonder, okay, do, so I I like was, a, do I write a, like a 10 page lesson plan detail by detail or no way? One? No way. No school therapist has time for that. So basically it's just the five days of the week. And in each block, I would put like first grade fishing articulation and, you know, second grade language would be, you know, passages about Easter or whatever. So it was literally one line for each group that day. And I tried to pick activities that you could use with multiple groups so you didn't have to have like a whole store in your therapy room taking up space that I definitely didn't have. I know a lot of others don't have it either. And I had uh, some other things I did that made me more efficient was that all the most used forms that I had to use. So we still had to send home, you know, even though some things were digital, we'd still send home like consents for screenings or evaluations or, you know, teacher interviews, those kinds of things. So I always kept those that I used all the time in a hanging file con- container on my desk. And so I literally just had to reach over and grab it. And I know that sounds crazy. Like, does that really save you time? To me, it does. Because opening the file cabinet and looking for the file and getting the paper. I mean, that's how run ragged we are. <laughs> There's no time for opening a drawer. When you open just, that drawer, you're going to find, like, what is it, like, if you give a mouse a cookie, if you open that drawer, you might find something else that would distract you. Like, <laughs> Yes, yes, so true. <laughs> yes, I definitely recommend having all your most used paperwork on your desk and at fingers length, whatever, well, arm's length. So um, you can just grab and go. I also used a lot of paper trays. So, you know, everyone's in to get in their steps and... I loved that I had these paper trays that had basically things to send, give to a teacher. So because, you know, school therapists run around the school all day. Like, I don't know how many laps, but it's many. And so um you just can just grab something. If something needs to go to a teacher, if something needs to go home, like a copy of an IP or progress reports and that kind of thing. So I had, you know, things to deliver to parents, things to deliver to teachers. Uh, things to file, things to finish. And those were also on my desk at arm's length because for me, out of sight is out of mind. And those deadlines are always haunting school therapists. I love that. So that kind of helped. It's really helpful. And one trick when you said about the photocopies and having things at arm's length, my June me, my September uh-huh. me thanks my June me because in June... I'm making all the copies for September because oh, in sep- wow. because in September or August, all the teachers are busy breaking the photocopy machine. And I don't want to be a part of that. In June, the people are like just done making copies at that point. So that like the last week of school and they're like cleaning up their classrooms and having the parties and there's field days and things of that nature. I am making my 
copies galore of my even my welcome letter for the next school year. That is brilliant. And I have to just always remind myself that I did it. I know, right? You have to leave it out. So when you walk back into your room after summer, you're like, oh, look what I did. I'm so good. You have to give yourself a pat on the head, you know. But sometimes that's like the Friday me, the Monday me thanking me, my September me thanks me in June. When even though I might have been sweaty while doing it, it's better off. That's so amazing. So what are some other tips to help SLPs feeling overwhelmed with the paperwork and just staying on top of everything that they have to do? I always tried to do this. Many times I failed. The two most daunting things for me were always Medicaid billing and progress reports. Because, you know, like our SPED teacher counterpart, so like I have seven progress reports to do. I'm like, oh, really? I have 50 something or whatever. I mean, we are kind of blessed in Louisiana with manageable-ish caseloads. And I actually implemented staffing through workload, not caseload. So I had a very receptive director that helped make that happen. But I like to try to like, you know, get your list of progress reports. I always kept mine in alphabetical order and then like just chunk them. Like, so have a goal, you know, to do this many. Let's all do 10 today instead of just killing ourselves trying to get them all done. Especially if you want to do a good job because the last people, the Z's and the Y's, their progress reports were probably less than stellar when you try to do a progress report marathon. So definitely divide them into chunks. So true. I also try to do reports of like similar students together. Yeah. You don't want to make sure you're keeping them individualized, but there's some that just are working yeah. on similar goals. Yeah. So as much as possible, kind of yeah. cutting time that way is yes. helpful. But having organization systems, I like that idea of like chunking and batching and really trying to sit down when your brain space is focused on that one thing. I also like to do whatever I can or could paperless because if a teacher comes in your room to give you a, you know, if they have to hand you a paper for a referral and that kind of thing, then it becomes a vent session. And like, I am all about venting, but during the school day, no one has time for that. So keeping things digital, which is much easier now since COVID, so that they can just shoot it to you. You don't have to have a long conversation about all the ch- things you think this child can't do. So yeah, that helps. I love that. What are some tips also that you would provide for just keeping the constant connection with the teachers and constant communication? So my teachers were, um, my, the teachers I worked with are still my dearest friends. And, you know, especially because we did a lot of co-teaching. So that nothing bonds you like that. And so they were really great about, if not sharing their plans, at least sharing the newsletter that they sent home with the parents so that I knew what was going on and I could plan and prepare for whatever skill they were working on that week and that kind of thing. We had a great time co-teaching. So we definitely would keep those lessons for me to use year after year after year. You know, you don't want to reinvent the wheel. If something was magical, you keep working that magic year after year after year. And don't feel like you have to always be creating a new activity because those kids are only in that grade one year. 
they will never know. So true. And so many times students be like, didn't we take a session? No, we didn't. Totally different. Yeah. It was similar. was not the same. I promise. <laughs> when you going to fight me on that? Like, <laughs> Right, right. You touched upon the workload versus caseload. Can you go a little bit more into depth on what that exactly is and how SLPs could advocate for that and the benefits of yes. it? I actually used a formula that belonged to another school district and it was very time consuming. So I spent probably a month calculating workloads. And basically we added up all the therapy minutes on every, and every school. You know, if you had all the kids there and these were their therapy minutes, like we had therapists had to turn into me the actual minutes of each child. And then we factored in if you traveled. Or if you had a lot of AAC on your group, if you had individual therapy for some students versus group therapy, and it was an, a neat little uh, formula, and you got extra credit, I guess you would say, for certain tasks, like if your principal required you to go to the PLC for such and such grade level, or if you had to attend uh, meetings about student needs, like we call it school building level committee, but there's different names. For RTI, MTSS, all those yes, different exactly. names. Yes. So they got credit for that. Basically, their time was counted, like not just the bodies, because we all know that bodies are not all created equal because kids' needs aren't all created equal. And so they were, the complexity factor was put in there so that we could really measure how much time was being spent, not just how many students were being seen. And then so you discovered. Oh, boy. So I discovered that some schools uh, had therapists that like half or a, a large chunk of their caseload on consult. And those were kids were being weighted as a student that was, you know, the same as a student that was getting therapy t- two, three times a week. And then I had others that, you know, were seeing their kids. Some of these therapists, only God bless them, they were seeing kids four and five times a week. And I'm not talking speedy speech. I'm talking real heavy therapy. And that just shows you how big their heart was. But they needed many more therapists at their school to be able to make that happen effectively. So um the year I left, the primary therapists were actually started their year with only 30 students, like about 30. Because we know it grows over the year, right? I mean, a lot. Oh, yeah. They come in from I don't know where. And I know. Then and new initials. It's like, okay. Yes. New preschoolers and kids, you know, transitioning. So, yes, that was wonderful. And everyone was very happy with that. I've left, so I don't know what is still happening in the district, but I know that our new director, let's just say, isn't as quite as supportive as our previous director. It's all about the leadership and if you can get them to buy in, you know. That's so amazing. I know there's lots of uh, documentation available online and Ash's website and things of that nature. If people want more information about the workload versus caseload and yeah, calculations. And they reach out to me too. I'd be happy to talk to them about it. Is there something you miss from working in the schools? Yes. So now being in private practice, I mostly do individuals. 
And now I, I do, there are, there are pluses. Like we do therapy in my pool in the summer. Okay. So cool. We, uh, we foster kittens. So we always have kittens or cats at the uh, therapy sessions. So I've converted quite a few cat lovers now. But I do miss, you know, being able to have a colleague right there with you whose brain you can pick and working with the teachers and being in a classroom and where like, um, you know, we had a lot of people come observe us and they're like, we don't know wh- who, what jobs y'all are. And I was like, that's great. That means we're doing it correctly, you know. So it was nice to get that kind of feedback. I miss being on the team, you know. I don't miss the paperwork. Even though you're clearly a rock star at it. Like, that's, a, <laughs> that's so amazing. Where can everyone learn more about you and everything you have to offer SLPs? So I have a Facebook group, School SLP Insiders. And there are a lot of perks to being in that group. And, and I always tell people it's not a toxic, crazy Facebook group. It's a very positive, uplifting, cool place to hang out. Then that's probably where I hang out most. I have a website, puttingwordsinyourmouth.com. I have a lot of school issues, blog posts that I talk about on there. I'm on Instagram as Putting Words in Your Mouth. I'm on Facebook as Mia McDaniel, Putting Words in Your Mouth. And you can find me on my email list. I love sending freebies in my emails. Amazing. Thank you, Mia. We're going to put links to the freebie of the lesson plan that you mentioned. I'll put a link to your Facebook group in the show notes and link to all things, everything you in the show notes as well. So when everyone's done driving, walking their dog, doing the laundry, whatever they are doing right now, <laughs> I don't want anyone, you know, stopping what they're doing. But when they get to a nearby computer or able to check out the show notes, make sure you do so because Mia has so much to offer SLPs. So thank you so much. I always end my episodes with a joke because humor is fun and filled with language. All right. Where do sheep go on vacation? I have no idea. To the Bahamas. Uh, <laughs> so bad and so good at the it, same time. As my students call them, they're dad jokes. They're corny dad yeah. jokes. But you know what? It makes them think a little bit like, oh, sheep. Um, okay, I get it. Yeah, that's great. Allie, I love that. I'm totally <laughs> on that. I totally steal it. I use it. My students know that I, I always try to have a joke of the week. But sometimes it ends up being joke of the month because I forget to take it down my wall. So oh. it, it is what it is. But I always have a joke of the week ep- on my episodes that, I, that don't always make it Love to it. my therapy wall. It's uh, very middle school of you. Yes. I it's worked it. in middle school too. It's, it's, it's not an uh, easy gig. No, <laughs> no. You have to try really hard to get them to get their buy-in. But you know you what? Do. When you do with these corny dad jokes, they come in and they're like, wait, do you have a new one? And I'm like, and they make fun of it, but they're talking about it and they're happy. So I'll take it. There you go. So thank you everyone listening until next week. Stay out of trouble. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. It means the world to me that you're tuning in each and every week and getting the jolt of inspiration you need. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at my website, speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss any future episodes. And while you're there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. 
See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.